Okay, then. Ron Wolfley. Ron Wolfley. What is up? <laughs> Witch Buster. Extraordinaire. Love that guy. Luke Lipinski. He sounds pretty good. He sounds pretty articulate. Wolf and Luke. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. We are live, local, and late-breaking here on a Monday morning, 10.02. Good to be with you on this holiday Monday, everybody. After years of relinquishing the holidays to the national guys at ESPN Radio, Arizona Sports 98.7 is putting the local radio back into Labor Day. Again, good morning, everybody. I'm Tim Ring. Uh, with you today for the Wolf and Luke Show, joined today by my partner, the KGO veteran. We plucked him off the Cardinals practice field. We drove we dragged him off the Cardinals practice field, kicking and screaming. Again, the wily old veteran, Howard Balzer, SI.com. Howard, good morning. Good to see you, my friend. It is officially game week yes, it is. for your Arizona Cardinals. It is, and I'm, I'm happy to be laboring on Labor Day, as I'm sure you, you're smiling, so that's a good thing. But they're not to. Okay, there we go. Start so. again, Howard. <laughs> if you're Start gonna, again. Listen, Howard, if you're going to labor, Yes. You want to turn your mic on. Exactly. Very important. <laughs> very important. Very important aspect of this. Since the last time we worked together was on the day that everything went crazy in the NBA with with Kevin Durant. It was on Friday, July 1st. And so every time when I come in, okay, I got to make sure I get all this stuff right. But anyway, it's great to be laboring on this day. You're smiling, so that's a good thing. We get a nice early start, so we're still done by 1 o'clock, and then we've got the whole day. In yeah, man, listen, I can promise you today, unless something crazy happens, we will probably give the NBA the day off. Yes. What a crazy night in the bayou last night. Jaden Daniels, LSU debut. Uh, Tiger fans got the full Jaden Daniels experience, the good, the bad, the great, the ugly. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Zach Gallen, not only chasing franchise history, but now has Oral freaking Hershiser in his sights uh, to set the Major League record. Can he do it? Uh, either way, uh, what a master class in pitching it's been this season for Zach Gallen. But, Howard, listen, uh, it, it is game week officially for the Arizona Cardinals. Finally, uh, we are six days away from the season opener against the Kansas City Chiefs. We spent really last week, and rightfully so, how we're talking about the final 53-man roster, the practice squad, who made it, who did not, the cornerback acquisitions for the Cardinals. How about today we switch gears and start talking about the guys who are really, really going to matter this season? We recalibrate and talk about the frontline guys. I'm talking about Kyler Murray and Hollywood Brown and James Conner and J.J. Watt and Isaiah Simmons and this Arizona Cardinal team trying to rebound after what was nothing short of a disastrous finish to the 2021 season, despite a season that ended up in the postseason. Right. No, you're you're 100% right. And when you look at those key players, I mean, I was looking at something the other day, Tim, the breakdown of this team age-wise. And it's a relatively young team. When you look at the defense, every unit of the defense pretty much is younger than anything on offense. And you have your veterans sprinkled in. You have your J.J. Watts. You have your Marcus Goldens. You have Zach Ertz. You have the offensive line, which has a bunch of veterans. But this is a pretty young football team. And they're counting on a lot of those key guys, like Isaiah Simmons and other guys that are, are rel- relatively young, I should say, to come through and play well, obviously at a high level, 
but all, and also stay healthy because we're going to get into that during the show too because that's that's the one thing that hangs over every team in the NFL is that you know that probably some injuries are going to hit. Yeah. The question is when and where, how important is it? And this Cardinal team, some of the guys being counted on already are banged up heading towards Kansas City on Sunday. They don't know about Zach Ertz. They don't know about Justin Pugh. Don't know about Marcus Golden. Don't know about Rondell Moore. Don't know about Rodney Hudson. There's some guys that have been held out for the most part, and <laughs> we don't know a lot of the details how what because whenever you act, oh, it's day to day. It's day to day. We he's, hope, he's yeah, close. He's close. He's day to day. But you, you don't really know. But you'll know a little more on on Wednesday, on Wednesday. when the first injury report yes. comes out because Cliff now has no choice. Uh, he has to be a little more transparent about that. So well. we'll get a, we'll get a, well to. I mean, compared to what he really didn't have to do during training camp. Howard, uh, you do a great job, obviously, covering the team for SI.com. You're out there at training camp pretty much every day. Let me throw this at you. Your expectations of what you thought you would see going into camp and the reality of what you did see. What caught your eye, both the good, the bad, and the concerning? The biggest thing is what we saw was the top guys not, not doing a lot. And that's by design, whether that is one of those things where they feel that everyone will be fresher and more healthy by the end of the season, because we all know it's not how you start, it's how you finish, and trying to ensure that you're going to be healthier. That, that's one of the things, Tim, that stands out, is n- not only that guys didn't play a lot in the games, hardly at all. I mean, the Car- I don't know if the Cardinals led, but it's hard to believe that any other team in the league had as many key players not playing at all in preseason games. But even in practices, once you got into the game, preparing for games, you were, the guys who were practicing for the most part were the guys who were actually going to play in those games yeah. coming up. And so the top guys didn't get a whole lot of work. I mean, Marcus Golden hasn't practiced since August 1st. Zach Ertz hasn't practiced in several weeks. Uh, Justin Pugh, you have the thing with him now. We're going to get into Antonio Hamilton as they thought he was going to be one of the key guys. And now he's out for the first, at least first four games of the season. So that that's one of the things, Tim, that jumped out. This team does appear, they, they believe in themselves, they're confident in themselves, they think they have a chance to be a really good team. But the reality is, until you hit that field on Sunday, you just don't know how it's going to play out, especially when now you're playing against the best that the other teams have to offer also. Well, they open up in Glendale against Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. It will not be easy. In fact, the first three games for the Cardinals, especially a team that's kind of rebuilding their cornerback room on the fly here, trading for Trayvon Mullen and uh, picking up uh, Javelin Guidry off of the waiver wire last week. Those guys, and we're going to talk more about them later in the show this morning. Morning, but those guys, they're not here to add depth. They're, they're here to play, and they're here to play right away. And you've got not only Patrick Mahomes in Week 1, you've got Devontae Adams in Week 2, and then you've got Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, Sean McVay, and the L.A. Rams in Week 3. So that defense, that secondary will be tested right away. Howard, we got a couple minutes before we hit the break. I do want to uh, tap into your knowledge uh, of the Marcus Golden situation. You, you mentioned him. He hasn't practiced since August 1st. The, the line from the Cardinals is... Uh, is a, as a toe injury or some sort of injury. Cliff says he's close, 
but obviously the the current uh, under the water is that it could potentially be a hold in looking for a new deal. Golden tweeted out cryptically the other mm-hmm. day that hey, you got to stand for something or you're going to fall for anything, which could lead one to believe he's digging his heels in on getting a new, a new deal before he takes the field. What do you know? What can you tell us? Well, the the non-cryptic tweet was prior to that when he tweeted underpaid unappreciated yeah that's pretty that's pretty and undervalued <laughs> yeah that's pretty bold but i'm still working well he hasn't been working yeah. uh, for for a while now and we saw jalen thompson get a contract extension well deserved no doubt about it and the thing it seems to me we don't know anything because no one talks about it and no one will acknowledge it is that it wouldn't take that much to, in my mind to at least make him feel appreciated in terms of his contract, because he's he's scheduled to make not not a whole lot of money uh, this year. It's two million dollars base salary. That's you could, it. You could double it. That's it. Double it. And, and just and first a guarantee it. And then what well, to me with it last year he earned one million dollars of two million in incentives that he had for sacks. So it was a a, a a top of two million he could earn. He earned half of it. Right. Well, the f- one thing you could do is guarantee that incentive. Okay, just just guarantee it. The guy wants to be here. Every time you talk to him, all he talks about is how he loves Arizona and this is where he loves to be. And all I want to do is go hunting. Well, you need him on Sunday to go hunting. And I don't think it doesn't seem to me like it would take a whole lot to make him feel appreciated. They and are, so we'll see if something happens. They are way too young at edge rusher to go into this season without Marcus Golden on the field. I mean, assuming that it is a hold-in and this is about a contract, they have got to get that rectified mm-hmm. and get him out there on the field. There's just no no two ways about it. Maybe now that they've got Jalen Thompson's contract wrapped up, maybe the next order of business now is to get Marcus Golden uh, a little bit more money. They, I mean, be, without I mean, the, the Canards on the practice squad and they just went flat out young across the board. I mean, Gardek's been around a while. But yes, it's, it's not like he's, he's a veteran of the besides Golden. He's 28 years old. He's he's the second yeah. oldest this guy uh, at, at the line grab, linebacker group. And just a, a little comparison here, Cameron Thomas, their first third-round pick, right? He's making this year $1.6 million. Now, that's, of course, it's a draft pick. It's slotted. That's what those guys are going to make. But Cameron Thomas is coming in as a rookie, never played it down in the NFL in a regular season game, and he's scheduled to make only $400,000 less than Marcus Golden. And that does not sit well, no doubt, with the junkyard dog. All right, let's take a break. Wild, wild night at the Superdome last night. What an unbelievable finish. And in the aftermath, your thoughts on Jaden Daniels. We'll, we'll talk to Howard about that. Uh, I'll weigh in a little bit. You got LSU players already scrubbing their Instagram. Apparently, they've had enough of head coach Brian Kelly after one game. <laughs> what a circus it was. We'll take a time out. We'll talk all about it. Tim and Howard in for Wolf and Luke, 98.7 Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. It's a redshirt freshman kicker, Damian Ramos, who might be the most nervous person in the Superdome right now. Roy to snap, Ramlet to hold, to send it to free football, snap, spot, block, it's no good! No! It's blocked! Shaheen Brown got his men on it! Fire up the war chant and plant the spear! Knowles win! 
Pipe door bells. You have your signature win early on in non-conference play. Shaheen Brown, the hero, the second block kick of the night. And that's the way it ended at the Superdome in New Orleans last night. I don't know if it's a signature win against an unranked LSU team, but you do you, Florida State Radio Booth. 24-23, Florida State knocks off LSU in just a wild one, ruining the debut of Jaden Daniels, the former ASU quarterback, in the debut of Brian Kelly down there uh, at ASU. It is the Wolf and Luke Show. Tim Ring, Howard Balls are filling in uh, for uh, Wolf and Luke, uh, taking you up until 1 o'clock. Uh, today, uh, but you know, Howard, for a for an LSU Florida State Sunday night game, man, there was a lot of local attention on this game. I mean, not uh, not only the Jaden Daniels debut for LSU, but you had former Arizona State deputy. Head coach Mike Norvell coaching for Florida State. You had Johnny Wilson out there catching passes for Florida State, the former ASU uh, player. Obviously a lot of national attention with Brian Kelly's debut uh, for LSU. And then the full Jaden Daniels experience for LSU and that fan base. He looked a lot like the Arizona State Jaden Daniels. (laughs) This is a kid that he likes to run. And in a traditional passing offense, doesn't really flourish and doesn't have great success. But as we saw early on in his career, most notably in that game at East Lansing against Michigan State, boy, in a two-minute, or in last night's case, one-minute helter-skelter situation when he just has to make one read against a prevent defense and can take off running, he is really, really dangerous, and he was really good in that situation last night. Now, I'm not saying he was he was great the whole night, because he wasn't. I mean, they were probably ready to yank him out at times. But when it mattered, he drives his team 99 yards to what we thought, tie the game. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, whether or not you thought Brian Kelly should have gone for two, I heard that discussion this morning with Paul Feinbaum. Boy, that's some Monday morning quarterback, if I've ever heard some, uh, talking about going for two. Easy to say that now. Um, but then that extra point gets blocked on a miserable night for LSU special teams. But to really focus locally here on Jaden Daniels, Howard, uh, yeah. that was uh, that was the full Jaden Daniels experience last yeah, night. It, it really was. And it's the, 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 there was one point and I, that he was averaging like something like 7.1 yards per completion. And at one point, Greg McElroy was saying, man, they need to take some shots. They need to take some shots with Jaden Daniel downfield. And I'm thinking, well, maybe they're not taking shots because he's not that good at taking shots. All those other things, he does well. Now, like you said, at the end of the game, he did a great read there and waited for that, that, that the guy to come open who made the big play to get down to the two yard line. And then on the touchdown, he, he calmly waited for the receiver to get open at the back of the end zone and hit him for, for that touchdown. But overall, yeah, that was the Jaden Daniels that we got accustomed to seeing here. But, and how electric he can be though. I mean, gosh, the, the guy, it's not just avoiding, it's not just the running, but then picking up those extra yards. There was that one in that final drive. 
where, A, it looked like they were going to get him early. Then there was another time it looked like they were going to get him, and then he evaded that and what had about another 10, 15 yards that got him down close to the 30-yard line. So it'll be interesting to see how this works in the long run in a cons- on a consistent basis for him with this LSU offense. Well, if Florida State doesn't fumble on the one-yard line and they just simply take a knee or kick the field goal, he doesn't even have that opportunity. Right. And boy, the, the knives are going to be out for that performance, not only by him, but by his, by his head coach uh, in, that, in that debut. He threw the ball 35 times, Howard. He only threw it for 209 yards, and I would have to think about 70 of them came on that final drive. He ran the ball for 114 yards. They got a kick out of Brian Kelly's quote after the game. Kelly said he's scrambling too much. Uh, you don't want your your to run your offense where your quarterback tries to keep running. That's not the kind of football that's going to win you a lot of games. I mean, Brian Kelly, did you watch any film yeah, of exactly. Jaden Daniels <laughs> at Arizona State? That's all he wants to do. Uh, listen, we've seen this before with a lot of college quarterbacks, so it's not unique to Jaden Daniels. He's your classic, what I call the one-read quarterback. If the first read's not there... These kids, they know they're good scramblers, and they know they can make positive plays with their legs. So they drop back, they make one read. If it's not there, they take off. And they usually have success doing it, so that's what they like to do. But again, how sustainable it is, is it against elite competition? And when you get into SEC West play, is Jaden Daniels going to be the quarterback that can get the job done for LSU. I know that fan base has a lot of question marks this morning after watching that game last night. Because overall, as exciting as that was, as great as Daniels was on that opening drive, overall, man, I would say, I, I mean, what would, what would the grade be for Jaden Daniels last night? C? Gra- yeah. C minus? Well, you got you got to give him a pretty darn good grade for the final drive. A plus because, on the last yeah, drive. Right. So but, it probably makes D it... D minus the rest of the game. Yeah, it might make it... It's, so it's probably better than a C. Uh, I don't know that it's a B, so maybe... Uh, I guess we're nitpicking here on grades. Maybe a B minus, C plus. But overall, overall, that's the, yeah. that, that, that's, that's the issue with him. And how many times did they talk about last night that that great receiver for LSU was hardly even being targeted. And they, they couldn't get him the ball. So when you have receivers like that, you have to have a quarterback who can get them the ball consistently and get it accurately to them. And and even even some of his shorter passes were, I mean, he was pretty good on a lot of them, but there were some just easy short passes that he was all over the place and inaccurate. And well, so that's that, like you said, that's the Jaden Daniels we came to know. The the top receiver on LSU, Kayshawn Boudet, Boudet uh, yeah. is uh was very frustrated last night, and I don't know if he's frustrated with Daniels or Brian Kelly or both, but he immediately, I mean, he was visibly frustrated last night, and he immediately did what any young person does when they're getting ready to bolt. He immediately went and scrubbed his Twitter and Instagram accounts of all things LSU. <laughs> so trouble there for a him. A little early to do that, eh? <laughs> and then, and then, yeah, right after one game. And then Neighbors, the kid who fumbled the two punts or muffed the two punts, Brian Kelly, after the game, threw him under the bus, saying we made a mistake putting that kid back there. I mean, talk about kicking a kid when he's down. He goes and scrubs his social media accounts from all what, LSU what, what, signage it, and gear. Wasn't it last year? What was was it last year against Florida State when Notre Dame won and then 
what did Kelly say afterwards? Where you he where they the, the 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 question was about the great effort that the team made to come from behind and win. Yeah, well, and all of a sudden his answer was to talk about how bad they were. Well, what, I mean, what happened, I forget the exact quote, but yeah, it was, what happened it was there ridiculous. Was, what happened with Notre Dame struggle with Florida State? That they were Notre Dame was way better than Florida State last year, and they needed overtime to beat them. And what did you think of your team's ability to withstand Florida State's impressive comeback? Maybe, maybe our entire team needs to be executed after tonight. Yeah, so, Howard, you've been around a long time. So John McKay had the, the famous quote, <laughs> Coach, what did you think of your team's execution? Yeah. And he responded, I'm in favor I'm of in it. I'm in favor of it. <laughs> so Brian Kelly was trying to draw on that quote last year and completely messed it up and ended up, you know, taking a lot of heat for it because obviously he didn't get it right, the quote right. And anybody who was unfamiliar with that quote said, right, exactly. Did Brian Kelly just say he needed his whole team to and, be And at least McKay's, McKay's was in a, not private, but a just a regular press conference. Kelly did it on TV, on the national broadcast, immediately after the game. Right. So then, even, even if you're trying to make a joke about it, not exactly the most appropriate right. time and, and, to do and it. And screwed it up, and then obviously there's a lot of younger people who have no idea who John McKay is, which is with another problem when you get the quote uh, wrong. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, Zach Allen chasing franchise history, chasing Major League Baseball history, the D-backs chasing the 500 mark. Can they get there? We'll talk some baseball coming up after the break. Tim and Howard in for Wolf and Luke, 98.7 Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Yeah, this was this was another um, another day for Zach. Um, he goes out there and executes at, uh, at a very high level and, and throws up seven more zeros. So, um, you know, he's, he spoils us. But it's because he's working his butt off. It's because he's executing. It's because of the four, four five days in between starts that he is studying, working to make good things happen. It's not by accident that he's, he's on this tremendous run. Yeah, break out the thesaurus for uh, Zach Gallen because we're starting to run out of adjectives to describe the, Z- uh, the D-backs uh, right-hander. Gallen was absolutely mesmerizing yesterday in that 5-1 win over the Brewers. As uh, Eric mentioned, the scoreless streak now 41 and a third. Timmering Howard Balzer uh, in today for Wolf and Luke, taking you up until 1 o'clock. Uh, Mitch and Steven from 1 to 3 before we get to D-backs baseball as the D-backs take on the uh, Padres later today. The D-backs starting to inch toward that 500 mark. They're now 64 and 69. Now the schedule's difficult in September, uh, but it is absolutely doable, Howard. Uh, we'll get to that in just a bit, but again, back to Zach Gallen now. Seven innings pitched, zero earned runs, seven Ks. I mean, Brewer hitters were falling down as they flailed at pitches uh, and, and unsuccessfully uh, making contact yesterday. <laughs> and again, Gambo and I talked about this last week, just how good Gallon has been. We actually joked, uh, this was prior to his last two starts, and we 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 joked, as a credit really to Brandon Webb's streak, that there's no way Gallon's going to catch Webb, because he would need essentially two-plus starts of shutout baseball, complimentary of Gallon for what he had done, but ha-ha-ha, there's no way he's going to catch Webby, and lo and behold... 
barring a meltdown in the first inning of the next time he pitches, he's going to catch Brandon Webb and set the franchise record. It's unbelievable what Gallon is doing. It really is. And to put it into historical perspective, I know everyone's talking about Webb because that's the club record. And so that is the closest to him. But when you're talking, this is, this is the eighth longest streak in Major League Baseball history. All right, hit me with the names, Howard. Yeah. I'm excited. Let's go. Since the dead ball <laughs> era. And if he can get another six innings, and I know we look at that now, and you go, oh, so, oh that, should, that should be a snap. Well, we know it's not because he has to pitch like he's pitching which is just unbelievable. His command, his location, his confidence, all of those things, the different pitches and all those things. But he's he's only six innings away from jumping the number three guy in history. And that's Bob Gibson of the St. Louis Cardinals with 47 consecutive. After him, Zach Granke, another Dodger guy, 45, when I say another Dodger guy, because Oral Hersheiser and Don Drysdale are number one and number two at 59 and 58. Well, Granke, 45.2. Two old-timers, Carl Hubble and Sal Magley from the New York Giants <laughs> to become the San Francisco Giants, 45.1 and 45, and then Webb at 42. So he can jump a bunch of these guys with just another, what are we going to call it now? Another Zach Gallen outing, which is almost seems expected now. But that's the historical perspective of this. This is not done very often, obviously. I mean, what the heck? Hershiser did his in 1988. And Drysdale in 1968. Gibson was also in 1968, by the way. Is that the year that all the pitchers were just ridiculous and they finally, finally uh, um, lowered the mound I mean, after just, that season? I th- it might have been because Gibson one year had yeah. a 1.12 ERA. That's how crazy that was. I mean, just the fact that he's in rarefied air that we're talking about Bob Gibson, Don Drysdale, and of course, you know, Hershiser streak in 88 was ridiculous. I remember that. In fact, he went on to the NLCS uh, that year and, and threw like, I don't know, seven or eight more scoreless innings, but it didn't count. Right. So uh, that streak was actually technically longer, even though it's not actually on the record books. So Gallon, listen, dreaming is free. So we're talking about, what, 18 innings away from actually breaking Hershiser's record? Yeah. Go ahead. It's going to be tough, though, because his next start is going to be at Coors Field in right. Colorado. Bingo. Yeah. So that that's going to be tough because, you know, that place, a pop fly, goes for a home run. <laughs> it could. Well, and, and remember, too, and the Diamondbacks are just playing overall good baseball now. But let's, let's remember, too, this scoreless streak is truly a scoreless streak. If you give up an unearned run, yeah. that, that stops the streak. And so... Any, any, we know anything can happen in in these games. I mean, heck, look at yesterday. I mean, <laughs> the Diamondbacks had a shutout, and then they gave up a home run in the ninth inning. It didn't. It, it spoiled the overall team shutout, obviously. But those are the things that can happen at any moment. Yeah. But he's just been he's just been crazy. Hey Jesse, him. let's hear from Gallon last night. He talked about his performance. Honestly, the first three innings, I was it was hard for me to get into a groove. Um, didn't really feel like, like had like great feel for anything. Kind of was pitching behind the count. Felt like yeah, just kind of spraying fastballs. Um, yeah, just kind of those first innings, and then 
Uh, just try to make adjustments, you know, on the fourth, and just try to attack and get back in the zone. Um, but yeah, those first three innings, I was definitely uncomfortable. Um, so yeah, just, just try to stay in the strike zone more. It's always interesting hearing pitchers talk about their game like that because those are all the nuances of it. I mean, I think we all, as fans or media or whatever, as observers, we just think, hey, you're a good pitcher, just go out there and do the same thing game after game. Well, it's not. I mean, everything is so precise. Everything has to be so detailed. I mean, hey, it's like we're all shocked when a golfer hits a bad shot, right? Oh, my goodness. He had a bad shot. How did that happen? Well, hey, that, that's the sport. That's how hard it really is. Right. And, and to hear him talk like that, it was pretty interesting. Just... Getting into your grid. So you talked about unless there's a meltdown in inning one against the Rockies. Well, it wouldn't take a meltdown. It might just take one hit or it might just take whoever, whatever it might be in that place. You know, but that just shows how special what he's doing is. Yeah, you know, it's funny. The I, I mentioned 18 innings to, to break Hershiser's record, which do the math would be back-to-back complete game shutouts. Clearly... The chances of that happening are are, are are almost nil, not because of of Gallon, but because guys don't throw nine innings. Well, he might he, he could do it with three. It might take three games. Might take but three that, games. again. That's just how hard it is. Oral Hershiser, get this through when he did his streak to start five straight nine inning shutouts. That's the difference <laughs> of the way the game was managed back in 1988. Now, now Gallon last night could have pitched the eighth and broken the all time franchise record. He was rolling. He was rolling. Torrey could have put him out there and rolled the dice, but he didn't do it. Here's what Torrey had to say about that after the game. No, I did not. No way. Zero. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so he didn't give it much much thought. Okay, so yes, get Zach Gallon next time we, he takes the mound. We'll, we'll, we'll see if he can keep it going and at least break uh, Brandon Webb's club record. And then with six more innings, he will be up there in the, in the top three all-time in the history of Major League Baseball. That would be uh, absolutely something else, no doubt about it. All right, we are taking a quick break. When we come back, back to football, back to the Arizona Cardinals. It is officially game week. The Cardinals, by the way, on the practice field today. Our Tyler Drake is there. We're going to hear from him coming up at 1230. Cardinals meeting the media. We got some uh, clips from what they had to say after practice today. We've got that coming up at 1245. So a lot of Cardinals coming up. We're going to take you up until 1 o'clock. Mitch and Steve are here from 1 to 3, taking you up until D-backs baseball. After the break, Antonio Hamilton and the burns that happened 14 days ago and what that means for the Cardinals going forward here uh, in 2022. Tim and Howard in for Wolf and Luke, 98.7 Arizona Sports Station. Hi, this is Byron Murphy, and you're listening to 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. I saw Murphy coming. This spring, he was different. His body was different. His mindset was different. Lee Flicker pitching it back to Lawrence. He's in trouble. Jump ball pass picked off near side by Murphy at the third. He's running it back to the left of the 2010-5 touchdown. Now he's a leader in that room, showing young guys how to prepare, take care of their bodies. It's just been awesome to see his progression, and the results are being shown on the field. DB's out three. One, two, three. DB's. Let's go. Wolf and Luke talk Cardinals. Now. All right, we are back. Tim Ring, Howard Balls are in for Wolf and Luke. Uh, 1047 on a Labor Day Monday. Happy holidays to you and yours. Hope you are enjoying the day off. If, in fact, you do have a day off. Uh, Howard, it is Cardinals game week. Cardinals on the practice field this morning. Chiefs in town on Sunday as the Cardinals open up the 2022 season with a ton of optimism coming off a playoff berth in 2021. But it's a season not without question marks as we embark 
here uh, on the new season. Uh, I just saw this cross my my wire. Our friend Jess Root over at CardsWire.com uh, posted an article that ESPN's FPI uh, gives the Cardinals likely 13-4 and record in 2022. I think everybody would take that. <laughs> you think? Uh, I'm not sure likely? how they came up with that, but that, that would be great. Listen, <laughs> if they stay healthy and everything goes right, I mean, who knows? They have so many playmakers on the offensive side of the football. I think we can all say, though, uh, due to some circumstances beyond their control, uh, there are question marks on the defensive side of the football, most notably a cornerback. Now, they tried to shore that up in the last seven days, making a trade with the Raiders for Trayvon Mullen, former second-round pick out of Clemson, and then acquiring Javelin Guidry off the waiver wire from the New York Jets. Two guys with playing experience in the league, so you like that, but at the same time, uh, two guys that two other teams didn't exactly feel that they needed in 2022 so that gives me a little pause going in because these guys are not here for depth they're not here for special teams given what's going on with Antonio Hamilton Howard these guys are, are here to play they're here to play that, that, that I mean you've got Byron Murphy you've got Marco Wilson you don't have Antonio Hamilton for four weeks. After that, it's Mullen and Guidry. Like, that's it. I mean, Christian Matthew is is brought back, but th- th- these guys have to be out there, and it's no easy pickings for that secondary to open up the season in these first few weeks. The Hamilton thing is just a bummer because it didn't happen on the practice field. Happened two weeks ago today in his kitchen. He gets burned with, we presume, to be cooking oil. 14 days ago, the injury happens, and now he's still out for four more games. So you're talking about you know, something that's basically going to keep him out of football for 45 days, which to me tells you the severity of the burns. And this is just an unfortunate break for the Cardinals at a position where, candidly, they weren't very deep to begin with. Right, no, exactly. Or good. No, actually. exactly. <laughs> and it's said that they're second degree burns, which is better than third degree. But okay. you but you still wonder about him working out when he I mean, you know, everyone always says, "Okay, you can miss four games and boom, then you're ready to come back." Well, not necessarily. When you haven't how, how when is he going to be able to run? When is he able going to be in football shape? And so it's not automatic that you can come back right away and so it's just a strange injury a strange strange thing the way it all happened and I'll tell you Tim I mean I, I've heard people say this about the Cardinals in the past I heard him I heard him say it when Chris Paul tested tested positive for COVID right when the playoffs were going on uh, two seasons ago and people people have this thing that these teams are that the, the the Arizona teams are cursed for some reason. I, there's and, a lot of fans in the Valley that would agree with that. Well, and here's the thing. I have something that can solve the curse. Okay? Gar- garlic? No, it's not. It's much, gonna... No, it's not. It's, it's much deeper than that. I, I'll, and I'll mention it. Okay. Well, let me just say that in 1999, I was in St. Louis. Okay. And Trent Green went down with an injury in the third preseason game. I'm familiar with the story, yes. And he was, they were playing well. It was a preseason. They were playing well. They had acquired Marshall Falk. They, had, they, had, they were doing all these things, and they looked like they could be a pretty good team. And then Dick Vermeil, the head coach, famously said at a press conference the next day with tears running down his cheeks, we will rally around Kurt Warner and play good football. Well, people in... People, I don't know, people didn't believe that, obviously. They didn't think that could happen. And everyone was talking about the Rams are cursed. Well, I'm an inquisitive guy. So when I hear that someone's cursed, I try to find out if there's a way to break a curse. 
right? So I spoke to a psychic, and the psychic told me there's good news and bad news. The bad news is I'm seeing something very negative. There's a lot of negative energy around this team. The good news is you can do something about it. And I said, what? And she told me, burn sage. Burn sage. So I said, what? I had no idea what she was talking about. She says, just believe me. Come up with a slogan and burn sage wherever you can. If you can, do it in the locker room. I said, oh, I don't know about that one. Well, I started, Kyrie's done that. Who has? Kyrie Irving. Well, Phil Jackson, I found out later, did it with the Chicago Bulls. He was a sage burner, right? So I started doing it at a pregame show. Okay. As long as Antonio Hamilton isn't the one doing it. Well, that's um, a good point. Okay. Good Thank point. You, yes. So anyway, I burned sage, and it became a thing. I mean, and we had, we, you got to believe, people had signed in the stadium, you got to believe. And what do the Rams do that season? Kurt Warner became MVP and they won the Super Bowl. So that's what Cardinal fans can do to remove this negative energy that is there. Burn sage. Find sage. There's this store actually at the Galleria, uh, (laughs) the fashion mall there, whatever it is on on Chandler, there in the Chandler area. There's a store that sells it all. Because, Tim, I started burning it when, when Chris Paul you know, tested positive. And the Suns didn't win it all, but the, they got to the finals. So that's it. Burn Sage. And I'm going to tell you one, one little note here. Eight weeks ago, yesterday, my phone starts blowing up with messages on Twitter. I'm saying, what's going on here? So I okay. click on it, and there's a picture, a video of Miles Mikolas. The pitcher for the St. Louis Cardinals, they were in a slump at the time. They had a consecutive game scoreless streak the whole team couldn't score he was walking around the outfield at bush stadium burning sage okay and so people were like tweeting that and (laughs) mentioning my twitter on it they said at h balls or 721 would approve i mean this and and so what have the cardinals done since that their record right now tim is 33 and 13 since Miles Mikolas burned sage in the outfield. So there's there's at Bush Stadium, there's, so. cold, there's cold hard data on burning sage. Yes, cold, very very certainly cold. from the shores of the mighty miss. Yes, in St. Louis, okay. absolutely. Boys, so. boys, I defer to you. Uh, are we <laughs> have we has it have we resorted to burning sage to cure what ails what ails the the Arizona Cardinals? Sure, whatever works. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of people, when I would tell people about it, they would say, oh, well, when I moved into my, they say this, when I moved into my new house, there's people who, who say you should take sage and go to the four corners of the house and burn sage. Because wh- what don't you know when you move into a new house? You don't know what went on in that place. You, you don't know. And so whatever negative energy there might have been, you can burn sage to cleanse it to prepare for you moving into that new home. So a lot of people do that. A lot of people do it. All right, there you go. Well, you have six days <laughs> before the season opener. If you believe Howard and you believe the Arizona Cardinals are, in fact, cursed, go get your sage and burn it before Patrick Mahomes takes the field on Sunday. <laughs> Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll, we'll stick with the Cardinals. We'll talk some actual football uh, coming up after the the, the, the Hocus Pocus segment of the of, of the show. Uh, Cardinals, last time we saw them, we, we know it, it wasn't good. Uh, they weren't good in December. They were awful in the playoffs. It was one of the more embarrassing postseason performances, maybe in the history of the National Football League. What went wrong? More importantly, is it fixed? How are they going to open up the 2022 season? They can open like they did in 2021 
Or are they going to open like they closed in 2021? We'll get Howard's thoughts on that. We'll talk all about it coming up in just a bit. Tim and Howard in for Wolf and Luke, 98.7 Arizona Sports Station.